Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Bielis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, we're continuing our 10-part series, Living in Light of Redemption. Today, I'm chatting with Abigail Dodds about comparison, and I'm willing to bet that her take on it is going to leave you with a lot to chew on. So you'll know her a little better. Abigail Dodds is a wife and mother of five children. She writes and teaches Bible studies for the women of Bethlehem Baptist Church, where her husband, Tom, serves as an elder, and she's a writer, as you'll hear us chat about today. Now, on to the episode with Abigail Dodds on the topic of comparison. Abigail, thank you so much for joining me on the Journey Women podcast this morning. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. Most fun I've had all day. (laughs) Same here. Granted, it is only 10 a.m. for both of us. (laughs) We'll see what we can fit in after this. Who knows? Oh, yes. Well, this is the second time you've been on the Journey Women podcast. We talked a while back now about rest. It's one of my favorite conversations. And You are just a restful person, even talking to you over Voxer and just getting to connect with you uh, when we're not recording podcasts is always a life-giving experience for me. And we are just so excited to get to hear from you today on the topic of comparison. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yep. I'm Abigail. I am a wife to Tom and a mom to five kids. Our oldest is 15. She just got her learner's permit recently. So we're in the world of driving. Whoa. I know, right? And that'll be a podcast someday that you'll get to do. Maybe just keep (laughs) at it. Um, (laughs) And then our youngest is five. So and the other three are in the mix there. Love it. Yeah, I stay home with them. I also am a student at Bethlehem College and Seminary where I'm getting my master's. So that's taking up a lot of my time these days. It's a program Mm -hmm. for working adults. And so it meets one night a week. It's a a really good program for people who have other full-time jobs. So like being a mom. So Mm -hmm. um, I've really enjoyed that. And that's kind of the bulk of my life right now. Man, it's been such a joy just to get to learn secondhand what you're learning. I'm guessing a lot of like what you're processing through in class, Mm -hmm. um, those are a fleshing out on your social media accounts. Is that right? Yes, that's probably true. Yep. (laughs) It all bleeds out. Yeah, I feel like I'm kind of catching glimpses of what you're studying as I'm like reading what you're sharing online. And I really appreciate your endeavor just to really just share Christ and to share the gospel in whatever you do. One of the ways that you do that is through writing. And I had the joy of getting to endorse your book, A Typical Woman, which um, is an excellent 
text. And then you also write for a number of publications, including Desiring God, which is where I was first introduced to your thoughts on the topic of comparison. So if we could move in that direction, Mm -hmm. this whole conversation is just going to be framed around uh, redemption and really what it looks like to apply the reality that we have been redeemed to our everyday life. And I think one of the things for me that is most prevalent is just the reality of comparison, particularly in the context of motherhood. I mean, it's always been a thing for me. High school, it's been a thing for me in college. It's just this thing that continually uh, surfaces. <laughs> and yep. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it's always there. Um, and then it's heightened, I think, with the rise of smartphone usage and mm-hmm. access to people all over the world and just an opportunity to catch glimpses into their day-to-day. One of the things that I hear most frequently in Christian circles is that proverb by Teddy Roosevelt that says, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, do you agree with that statement? And <laughs> if not, why? Well, yes and no. I wrote an article that basically said no, but I want to nuance that and say yes and no. I do agree with it. And I also think there are ways in which it doesn't have to be true either. Um, I think that statement, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. And because of that, as Christians, I think we need to stop and think about what we mean by it when we say Mm -hmm. it and what the people who are using it mean by it when they put it forth kind of as a gospel truth. So we should just consider whether the ways we're using it is in line with how the Bible talks about comparison and joy, because that phrase isn't in the Bible. It's it's just a really pithy saying, and those can be full of truth. So that doesn't mean we shouldn't, you know, that there aren't sayings that are true outside of the Bible, but it isn't God's words. And so we want to figure out, do we agree with it? What parts do we agree with? Mm-hmm. What does comparison mean here? Why would it steal our joy? Should it be able to do that? Is the problem with comparison or is the problem with something else? So those are the kinds of things that I think we should think about. Uh, one way I'll just say quickly that I think is an unhelpful way that it gets used is if someone's feeling badly about themselves or is comparing themselves to others and we tell them, Comparison's the thief of joy. Just stop comparing yourself to others, and that's the solution. Sometimes what accompanies that message, not always, but sometimes, is you're perfect just the way you are. Or Uh don't worry about improving yourself because you're just going to make yourself feel bad if you notice that you aren't as great as someone else or something like that. And I really think that's an unhelpful approach. There are other ways to think about it and sort of soothing yourself with you're great just the way you are, you're Mm. perfect, you're chosen, you're wonderful, you're everything great. It's just the wrong way to fill ourselves up. It won't Mm -hmm. really work in the end. So that's one thought. That's so much of what I experience on social media in general, which I think is interestingly the place in which we might be most prone to walking in unhealthy comparison. Mm -hmm. Why are we so prone to that? Like, why is comparison, like I mentioned, just following me around for my whole life. <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to take a little little different tack on this, which is we're prone to it, not the sinful part necessarily. We're prone to sin because we're sinners, but we're prone to comparison because as human beings, it's how we acquaint ourselves with the world around us. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what we are We can't understand what we are in relation to God or others without comparison. So 
let's go back to like our early school days. When you're a child in school, one of the first little writing assignments that you'll be given early in your elementary years is to compare and contrast two things like dogs or cats, you know, butterflies or moths or something like that. So you have to compare the two things, comparing that is saying what's similar about them and contrast them. That, that means you say what's different about them. And so without comparing and contrasting, we actually lose touch with reality. Without comparing and contrasting, we actually can't properly acquaint ourselves with the world God has made. So comparing and contrasting is also how we come to learn that we aren't God. Mm. So if you do like a word search in your Bible for the word compare, you will find that the most frequent way that the word is used is in relation to God. So just think of this, Psalm 40 says, You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. Um, Again, it says, For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord. That's Psalm um, 89.6. And the, the point is no one, no one is like the Lord. No one can compare to him. Isaiah says the same thing um, multiple times. Who, who can we compare to God? The idols can't compare with him. Humans can't compare with him. He's just in a category by himself. So that's essential to our understanding of comparison. And that's where we need to start. I love that. And I think that highlights how comparison can actually be really helpful. So why is it often deemed dangerous, unhelpful, or even simple? Like the way I hear people talk about comparison, it's like you have to avoid comparison at all costs because it is wrong. Right. And 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 I don't mind when people say that. So I don't want to, you know, I want to be so careful to really hear what people are actually saying and not just pick apart the semantics Mm -hmm. of the word because words can be used in different ways to mean one thing and mean another thing. And so that's perfectly fine. And, and so listen for what it is they're actually getting at when they say comparison, are they talking about a sin? And if so, take everything they say to heart. Um, It can be dangerous because there really is a side to comparison that's unhelpful and could be sinful. And I found one passage in 2 Corinthians super helpful to understand how comparison leads to sin. So there's this passage where it's 2 Corinthians, Paul is talking and talking about these teachers or orators who are sort of competing with him. And this is what he says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those, that is those other orators, teachers, who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But Paul says, but we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. So, you know, there's these te- there are these teachers, these orators, they are recommending themselves based on how great a speaker they are compared to other people. So let's just bring it down to our day and age, our level. Think of your favorite women's conference speaker. You know, when you tell another woman she should come hear this speaker, what reasons do you give? You know, how do you measure her? Do you say, I just love her teaching. She is so funny. Or I just love her when she speaks. She's so relatable. She's such an amazing speaker. 
she has such great stage presence and a command of the room. Now, those aren't bad things to be, but Paul is saying they're totally irrelevant to the ministry that matters. Paul doesn't need a letter of recommendation from other speakers to measure his skill set on how great an orator he is because he has been assigned this job by God. And so if he seems weak to these Corinthians, then he says, my boast is only in the Lord. Like I'm not boasting in Mm. how I measure up to these other people. So I just think that's a really helpful way of saying, okay, there's a way of measuring that is competition, a sinful competition where we're actually just trying to boast in ourselves. We're trying to be better than other people. We're trying to build our resume. Um, How many social media followers do I have compared to that person? How much cleaner is my house than that mom over there? How many more Bible studies have I attended than her? So we find these reasons to boast in ourselves in that sort of sinful comparing. And then I just want to say the flip side of boasting in ourselves when we compare, because that's pride, is despairing. So we do the exact same thing. We do all the measuring because we're hoping to be better than others. But what happens is we notice that we're actually not as good as them in our estimation. We come up on the short end of the stick. And so then we despair, we wallow, we become bitter or envious because our house is the dirty one. Our social media following is too small. Our Bible studies aren't rigorous enough or whatever it is. So then we pity ourselves and we villainize the unsuspecting person who happens to be doing maybe a little better than us. Yeah, so pride and envy are what I would call those two ways that comparison can work itself out. So pride would be going the boasting route, I'm better. And envy would be going the pitying route, I'm not as good and I'm upset about this. So I always say like envy is kind of like pride's poor cousin. Pride is what envy would be if it got everything it wanted. (laughs) But they're both just ugly sin. So Mm-hmm. You got to think about where the comparison is leading you. And I think it can lead you to good things, but it also can definitely lead you to these sins. Mm. I just want to extend some solidarity to anyone who's like thinking down that trajectory. And I see myself so often compare and then go towards that envy state. And then I'll like, it'll spill out into uh, the lives of people around me. When I start to just get, I'm like, we are going to buckle down and get this house clean. And we, you know, just we're going to do all this stuff. We are going to do whatever it is that it takes to get to the point that I, you know, can actually be a worthy competitor. (laughs) Like, it's really sad how it spills out. Like it definitely is there in festering in my heart, uh, but then the way it impacts my family and the people that I love the most, um, that really breaks my heart. And it, I think it illuminates the impact, like, because these things can seem really small and unseen. But for me, they start to flush themselves out as I continue to walk in sin. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. 
If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. How does comparison show us our need for the gospel? I mean, I just kind of explained how it mm-hmm. <laughs> leads me to my need. Uh, sadly, it usually leaves me in a state with my family in which I have been short, I have been demanding, I have been unkind, or I have been wallowing. <laughs> and that makes me really, really sad. So how does comparison, how can it show us our need for a Redeemer, for Jesus? Right. Well, you said it really well. I completely agree with everything you said. I think one other little facet of this or aspect is that comparison, just as it acquaints us with God, who is an, a fixed, unchanging standard by which we can see where we're at and who we are, it also acquaints us with God's law. So comparison is also how we acquaint ourselves not just with the lawgiver, but with the law itself. So what are the standards? And it shows us how we fall short. Mm -hmm. And so it is how we show that we can't measure up to God's standards. And that's essential. We, We actually need that because for the Christian, that realization is grace to us. That realization that we don't measure up to God's law is the pathway that leads out into the green pasture of grace and Jesus Christ who has met the law for us and then who also leads us on steady paths where we then are following in obedience, where we actually are working out our sanctification and our righteousness. So it's not just, well, he did it for me and so I'm not going to now worry about whether or not Mm -hmm. I'm sinning. It's empowering us into greater obedience. Hmm. When you were talking about kind of the empty platitudes that we so often offer one another as women, just saying like, oh, girl, you're good. Don't compare yourself to her. Like, right. you know, we we so often like gravitate towards that. But I have found so much rest in friends that will come alongside me and say, you know what? Yeah, like you are falling short in these areas, but grace, but Mm -hmm. look at what Christ has done Mm -hmm. for you and look at who you are because of who he says you are and what he's done to you and the rest that that brings in the same way that you just described how restful it is just to acknowledge that we are not God. We are not sovereign over all, you know, it's like that brings me more comfort than any empty platitude ever could. I find such hope there. Yes. Agreed. So could comparison like potentially serve us well in our walk with the Lord? Like continue to flesh that out if you haven't hit all of that already, Abigail. Just uh, obviously you've mentioned that comparing ourselves to God and seeing that we don't measure up and that he is the only unchanging, perfect being like that is very helpful. And Uh then comparing ourselves to his law, seeing where we're falling short and then clinging to the gospel and relishing in grace. That's helpful. Like. Is there anything else that you want to illuminate how comparison can serve us well in our walk with the Lord? Yes, because we've hit, you know, we've hit God, we've hit his law. And I was talking about how sinful comparison can lead us on a path to these other sins, Mm -hmm. um, to these sins. So comparison that is 
pointed in a direction that is heading in a sinful way. But what about comparison that's pointed in a direction of righteousness? So if you think of comparison like a pathway, it can lead you to envy, it can lead you to pride, but it could also lead you to something else, which is godly imitation. So you need a category for this, women. This is so important. We are commanded in the scripture multiple times to imitate those who are imitating Christ. And you can't imitate someone that you haven't noticed how you're doing in light of how they're doing. You can't. You cannot figure out whether you should be imitating them if they're further along in their walk with you, if they are more righteous than you. Now, I know that's going to grate some of your ears because you're thinking, we're all righteous in Christ. It's the same. And that's true. You've been declared righteous. Your righteousness is Christ's. But working that out in our sanctification, Mm -hmm. the actual righteousness that we're living in day to day, there are varying degrees of that. And so we want to look to those who are further along than us and imitate them. That's what Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So not only do we want to be imitating those who are ahead of us, we want to be the kind of person who can say to those not as far along as us, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And that can be said with deep humility. That is not a prideful thing to say. That is, that is us saying, God has done something in me. God has. God did this. And he worked something out in me. And I want you to have that same grace worked out in your life. So watch me. Watch what he's done. Be like me in this way. And it's not puffing ourselves up at all. So don't get that idea about it. But it is it is a godly, holy thing to do. And so please get a category for godly imitation in your mind and start putting a lot of files in it so that you can start reaping the incredible benefits of this. I think godly imitation has probably been the best fuel in my life toward Mm -hmm. knowing God and getting closer to him. And that's a big part of what your podcast is, Hunter. So praise God. I was just thinking that. I'm like, this is pretty much what I've been trying to do for everyone since the very inception of Journey Women, because other older women have had such an impact on my personal journey with Jesus. And that is why the Journey Women podcast was born. I was like, man, God has graciously given me access to these women who have just so impacted me in such a positive way. And, you know, I have one tag on question question here, Abigail, because Mm -hmm. I think the only hard thing for me in following other women has been that sometimes I have this propensity to get hung up on methodology. And Mm. sometimes I see what people are doing and I just want to emulate. I'm totally like the perfectionistic, like, oh, this is working for you. Like, let me do this. So do you have any admonition, like as we're comparison, as we're comparison? (laughs) Hey, you're making up a new word. That's a new verb. Hashtag comparison. <laughs> As we are comparing to actually um, to do that in a, in a healthy way. Like, do you have any mm-hmm. checks and balances that might help us? to gauge our hearts as we're going about the work of comparing ourselves with the hope of walking in greater holiness? Like, is there a check and a balance there that maybe would help exhort us to do that well, as opposed to potentially just seeking to like emulate behaviors without actually like uh, seeking to have a heart that really matches like the behavior? Does that make sense? Yes. And that is really wise that you brought that up. I'm glad you did because that is a helpful, helpful point to make. So what you want to do, and I think, Hunter, you already know this, but 
what you want to do, ladies, is you want to imitate principles, not methods. So if you know a woman who is spending time with the Lord every day, who, um, who is acquainted with his word, and she does that a particular way, she gets up at a certain time, or maybe, maybe for her, it's 11 a.m., she has an hour free that she spends um, mid, mid-morning. And so you have tried then to set a timer at 11 a.m. every morning to do that same thing, and it's not working for you. What's the principle behind what she's doing? Don't feel like you need to do it the same way, but take the principles of godliness that other women have really been consistent in that you're trying to imitate and apply the principle to your actual life. Here's the thing. You cannot obey God in someone else's life. You can't. I have so tried it. You can't submit to your husband the exact same way someone else submits to their husband because we're each called to submit to our own husband and each of our husbands are a little bit different. Um, and so that can be a problem as well. If, if you're trying to obey in their life, you will be frustrated, but use the same principles applied to your life. And that's going to take some wisdom. That's going to take some trial and error. That's going to take working it out, but look for the principle and then say, Lord, how can I faithfully apply this principle to my life, not to her life, but to mine and this, this unique circumstances you've given me. I think a lot of times I'm the type of person that just gets down into the weeds really fast. And so I'm like, here's the way you do it. Here's the method, all of this. And I've really had to learn to take steps back and to ask the Lord to give me eyes to see the principle at hand. And that's been such a freeing practice for me, particularly in the ever-changing seasons of life that just have different demands and then necessitate and and allow uh, different um, like opportunities, like your time just looks so much different as a mother, for example, versus a college student. And so if I weren't aware of the fact that these things flesh themselves out differently in different seasons, I would feel really despairing about the fact that I can't wake up every morning and have a two hour quiet time anymore. Like right. It's just not a thing for me right now. <laughs> yep. I can't wait for the day that it is, but I also love the days where I am desperate and hungry and needy for the truths of God's word all throughout my day in such a way that I have Bibles open all over the house and that I'm looking to it every opportunity that I can, even though I'm not able to have like one isolated period of study that's uninterrupted anymore. Is there anything else that you would just exhort us to beware of um, that might help us gauge our hearts as we're going about this work? I think engaging our hearts, we need to be familiar with what our own sinful bent is. Mm. And again, just like we can't obey in someone else's life, our sinful bent may be slightly different than someone else's. And so how we combat that will look different than someone else combating their sinful bent. So you might know whether, you know, materialism or um, status or these different sinful things, whether those things are the things that you're prone to want. And so how you put the right kind of blinders on will look different than how someone else does. Uh, So just being aware of that, being honest with yourself, 
really going to the Lord in prayer and being very raw and honest about what that bent is for you. Um, maybe talking to your husband or a close friend and, and having them get eyes on it. Cause sometimes we like to own certain sins and not others. Um, and so some sinful patterns are really easy for me to own and be honest about. <laughs> and then there's others that feel much harder right. to be real honest about. So do that work. Do that work of um, knowing that God sees it all and you are laid bare before him. So mm-hmm. go ahead and do that. Go ahead yeah. and lay yourself Oof. bare and, and let that happen. Mm-hmm. That is an exhortation. And community has served as such a room of mirrors for me, like a room full of mirrors where I've seen some of those blind spots. And so I think just having those open conversations, like you said, with your friends and your community members of your local church and welcoming them to speak those things because they probably see them, even if you're right. not aware. <laughs> I know. It is true. And it's good to remind ourselves that. <laughs> oh, totally. Well, is it possible? I think, you know, when I'm thinking through this for myself, even when I'm wanting to do this in a way that's like pursuing holiness, I often just start to feel this sense of discontentment. Like I look at you, for example, Abigail, and I'm like, oh, Abigail, she has like so much knowledge of the text. And like, she is just so wise in her application. And like, yes, there is like a way in which you have exhorted me to walk, to hold that as as a goal in, in a good way. But then there's also this way that I could like feel really discontent and think like, man, and just sparing, like, like you said, envious, like I shouldn't even be doing what I'm doing because I'm not at the level of Abigail. So (laughs) is it possible for us to compare ourselves to one another, even in the helpful way that we've talked about, or to compare ourselves to God and to look at ourselves and to say like, where am I falling short while still being content with where we're at and what God has ordained for today? I think there is. And um, you don't see foibles in the, in the sin that really does hurt people that I have to get grace from the Lord Jesus for and ask forgiveness for. So it is also helpful to keep in mind that distance makes, Mm -hmm. makes people seem greater than they are. Um, So keep, keep that in mind, but not in a sin. We don't want to keep it in mind in a cynical way. Like, Mm-hmm. Well, they look good, but I bet they're blowing it, you know, so we don't want to do that. Either. You guys you can know, assume that for a... me, though. Just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. But let's just try not to do that for others. So, but yes, I think we absolutely can be content. And I also want to have a category for maybe holy discontent, which is the kind of discontentment that would be like running a race. Like I am going I like a resolve. Like I'm seeing this goal, I'm hungry for what they have and I'm going after it. Um, it's different than a boasting over or a, I'm going to be better or um, those kinds of things. But th- I think we should have a category for holy discontent. But then I also want to say, I do think there's a way to compare and have a kind of a sweet contentment that is thankful for the gifts that we see in others and the way God has worked. Because I think what it can do is fuel our hope. Like, wow, Lord, you were willing to be gracious to them in that way. You were willing to help them as they walked with you. I think I my faith is growing because now I'm trusting mm-hmm. that you're going to do that for me. Mm. So it's a, it's a kind of a sweet, like, I see what you've done there, God. I'm trusting you're going to do 
those similar things in my life. Um, and that I think can fuel kind of a sweet contentment where we look at them there, then we look at that, that life and we're, we're, we're channeling our thoughts to praise to God. Thank you, God, that you've done that. And now do it in me. I trust you're going to do those things in me. Mm, I love it. It reminds me of when Brad Evangelista came on the podcast and he said, strive from a place of rest. And I think that rest, as you're describing, is resting in knowing that he will bring all things to completion as he's promised. And um, I'm also encouraged just by the power of testimony, like you're saying, like uh, me knowing like where you were at as a 31 year old woman, like that's an encouragement to me to hear that from you so that you testify to like the power of redemption and what God has brought about in your life over time. Um, that's a really helpful thing for me. And so I'll be asking some questions in that vein later. But, you know, I do want to hit back on um, what you were talking about in regard to the sin tendencies, uh, particularly in the self-pity, judgment, mm-hmm. all those things that we have all probably experienced when we found ourselves comparing ourselves to one another. What's the proper response when we find ourselves actually struggling with comparison and with all of these sin tendencies um, and, and when we're comparing in an unhealthy way? What ought we do when we uh, recognize by God's grace that that's something that we're walking in? Yeah, well, I mean, always the same answers over and over, but the the first thing, if you've noticed you're sinning, just right away repent. Like don't Amen. don't take time to think about it. Don't yes. go examine your belly button for 20 minutes. Do not and, justify. <laughs> right. Don't spend another 30 minutes scrolling Instagram. Just just oh. deal with it. You know what yes. I mean? And and I say I that do. as someone who how do I know that someone might spend another 30 minutes scrolling Instagram <laughs> instead? How do I know that? I know hmm. that because these are temptations common to man and to me. And I have not always gone to repentance as quickly as I hope to, as I continue to grow. So first of all, just right away, take it to the Lord. It doesn't have to take a long time. You can repent quickly and be right with God quickly. And so do that and then have the joy, like let him just turn you quickly to joy, not wallowing. Um, But then I would say, make the right first comparison. Make the right first comparison. So the first comparison we want to make is taking stock of ourselves in light of God. Mm. No one compares to God. We are dust compared to him. But thankfully, he remembers that we are dust. He knows our great need for him. He made us. He does not despise the dust. He cares for us. So when we've compared ourselves in light of God and we're oriented properly, then we're just able to move forward toward proper comparison on a horizontal level. Um, The kinds of comparisons that will help us move toward godly imitation of mature Christians around us and not a kind of envy or What's really weird about envy, I'll just say this really quick side note, is there's two kinds of envy. Well, I'm sure there's more than two kinds, but I'll mention two kinds. One is being envious of someone else's status. Mm -hmm. In a sense, you're envious of their sin. So that sounds weird, but let's say someone is really awash in materialism and you're envious of that. Like you're, you're not even envious of something good. (laughs) Um, so there's that 
being envious. And then there's the envious of, I'm envious of something they have that actually is really good that I want for mm, myself. Yes. Um, so those are two different kinds. And I would just make note of which it is. <laughs> I don't, I think that could just be helpful in digging the sin out a little deeper. Um, so that's just a little side note. I want to jump in there and just say that I think if you find yourself struggling with the second kind that you mentioned, where you're looking Mm -hmm. at something and you're saying, man, that's a good thing that I desire. For example, like having a child or Mm -hmm. having a spouse, those types of things. I really would encourage the listeners to go back and listen to my conversation with Maggie Combs on unmet expectations. And we talk Mm. about that concept of a holy discontent, a holy Mm. discontentment that you mentioned. So that might be a help if you're processing through those things. How does the gospel free us to fight against these sin tendencies, envy, covetousness, greed, and empower us to live in light of redemption? Well, the gospel is where we find grace. So I just recently read something that Pastor John Piper wrote. He said, grace is power not just pardon. Mm. So the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. Mm -hmm. Saving grace is also sanctifying grace. So I'll just give one very small example of how God might, in a real external, almost superficial way, but one small step that we might be able to take towards sanctification in this area is to curb our speech. So what do I mean by that? I mean that we say a lot of casual, dumb things that do nothing to build up the body of Christ and that do a lot to tempt other women to ungodly ways of thinking. And so again, I'm working on this alongside of everyone, so I'm not coming from on high. But here's an example. You see a woman with something that you wish you had or that you really like, and so you say, oh, I'm so jealous of you. I'm so envious. Some Mm -hmm. comment like that. And for women, this is sort of a weird way that we compliment one another. Yeah. But could we just acknowledge that that's a really dumb way to compliment someone? Let's stop <laughs> doing that. That's that's not how God talks. So um, he doesn't use words that are sinful, like envy, to pay a compliment to someone mm-hmm. or to notice that um, maybe they have a blessing that you want to acknowledge. There are other ways of talking that I think would honor him more. So how about, you know, saying I'm happy for you? Or, um, bless the Lord. I see right, what he's I'm working in that, you. Yeah, yes. I'm thankful for this blessing that he's given you or yes. something like that. Um, but we shouldn't talk in ways that makes words that the Bible calls sin, like envy, part of normal, healthy speech. I'm so guilty of this. I'm saying oh, mm-hmm, like, too. oh yeah, me I've thrown too. out a jelly many a time. <laughs> right. Right. And so I'm not trying to, I also want to be careful, not trying to be the speech police, because we do need to look at what people mean by what they're saying. Yes. Um, But we should also think about how we want our speech to reflect God and what he's done. And instead of giving a compliment by saying, I'm envious or I'm jealous, we could be blessing his name. Like we could be saying, yes, what a good God to, to give that to you. So use the sorts of words that honor God and keep sin in its place as detestable, undesirable, and affront to God. Mm. And then I think it, it just helps us take those kinds of sins more seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's such a helpful exhortation. I have been just noticing that tendency in myself, Abigail, um, just to uh, adopt cultural phrases and trends Mm -hmm. because that's what's going on in the culture around me. And instead, really to move out of looking at what God's word says and to move out from there, to develop my speech and my thoughts and my actions and all of the things uh, on God's word. And that is something that is will be a never-ending process until the day we go to glory. <laughs> oh, amen. Me too. Uh, but I really appreciate your exhortation there. Do you have any recommendations for somebody who wants to grow in their understanding of any of the things we talked about? It can just be like in regard to redemption or particularly in comparison or um, envy, greed, all of the things that we've been discussing? Yes, I do. I I came up with three. um, and You had to whittle uh, it down, probably. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, I figured because every single person you have on the show says the Bible and like the church, um, (laughs) I said, okay, I'm not going to do that. I won't do that to poor Hunter. (laughs) I'm going to come up with three other recommendations. And so the first one is... um, you could get on your computer and you could go to a website like blueletterbible.org or even esv.org and you could do some simple searches of words like compare or envy or bitterness or content or the word imitate. And if these are things that you're really struggling with, if some of what we've talked about feels kind of new and you're really trying to get a handle on this, just start looking at what the Bible really has to say about it. And those tools of those um, Bible software or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's all free, um, really help get you there more quickly. Um, It just, it helps to alert your mind and your heart to how the Bible talks about these things. And doing a word search like that, um, it it will give you very limited results because it's only going to look for those particular words. Whereas the Bible is going to talk about things like envy and comparison without using the words because they'll show you stories and examples. So even as you're reading through the Bible, just take note like where you're seeing it. Um, But those tools can really help you search quickly. I love that. And have a way of seeing what the Bible says. That is Uh, really helpful. Yeah. The second resource I have is kind of, I don't know, odd maybe or not. Um, But I thought if you haven't read the Chronicles of Narnia or if it's been a while, read the Chronicles. Um, these are children's books. If you've got kids, read them out loud to your kids or listen listen to them on audio. But um, I feel like uh, C.S. Lewis does such a great job of helping us see in a story form how we fit into a story, like how, what our place is. One of the lines in The Horse and His Boy, which is my favorite of all the Chronicles, is when Aslan says, child, I am telling you your story, not hers. No one is told any story but their own. And the way he kind of draws that out in the whole story and through multiple books is a little bit like what we saw in Paul in 2 Corinthians. This idea that we don't measure one another up against one another so that we can boast, but we we look at, we are thankful for the work God is doing in our life and for the work he's doing in other lives. And so I just think stories like that can really help us see ourselves more clearly in our own life. And so read, read those a dozen times and see what happens. (laughs) That's so fun. Yep. And then the last one is go to Desiring God and search for killjoys. 
small talks. So at one of the Desiring God conferences, they did seven small talks, 10-minute talks on the seven deadly sins. They also put together a little book on it. But the talks are kind of fun to listen to. They're each 10 minutes long. They would be easy to listen to. And I think these talks, they cover, you know, pride, envy, gluttony, uh, all the seven deadly sins, lust, and they help orient us to what sin really is, to calling it by its proper name, um, understanding the danger of it. And I think they'll help you evaluate if the type of comparing you're prone to mm-hmm. is really rooted in sin if it, mm-hmm. and, and help you deal with that. So check out those talks. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm excited to do that. That is so mm-hmm. helpful. I realized as I was like planning this season that a lot of the topics align with the seven deadly sins. Yes. And so we were playing around with uh, the potential title and I was like, I don't know how that would be received. <laughs> I love it. Let's, <laughs> Let's do it. it in a positive light. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> what God has redeemed us from. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you know, I, I mentioned that it's so helpful to hear from those who are going before us what it was like walking in our season and what you mm-hmm. were struggling with in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, I think kind of a median age demographic is around 25. Maybe that's a little on the young side. But if you're like me, maybe you still need to be on the young side in, in regard <laughs> to the advice. Um, so what's one piece of advice, Abigail, I'm just curious that you would offer yourself if you were sitting across from yourself as a 25-year-old young woman? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not sure if this comes through um, in the interviews we've done or not, but I'm a pretty opinionated, strong-willed person, um, and I have a lot of thoughts, and I am way too quick to think that I'm right about them. Um, and so the piece of advice I would give myself in my 20s would be don't be afraid of submission. So people who think they're right a lot, submission is hard. Um, And so don't be afraid of submission. I very much wanted to be submissive to God as a 25-year-old. And in some ways, I was. I I was a Christian. So in some ways, I certainly was. But sometimes I was submissive in a white-knuckled kind of way Mm. where I wasn't really sure I could trust God. And I also felt much more comfortable submitting to God and much less comfortable submitting to human authorities. Um, And this was probably, not ironically, uh, rooted in some sinful type of comparing, uh, because the boasting kind, the prideful kind, because I think I would say, "Mm, I think I trust my judgment more than theirs. I'm measuring against them. I'm pretty sure I know better. And so why would I trust someone else or put myself under their authority? So as a 20-something, I would remind myself that those two things, submitting to God and submitting to the human authorities he's put over me, are not separate from each other. Uh, of course, we don't ever submit to a human authority that's leading us to right. sin. But that's not that's really not what my issue was in my 20s. That's not what I was facing. I was afraid to submit to human authorities that weren't perfect. Uh, uh-huh. And here's the newsflash I would give my 20-something-year-old self. There are no perfect human authorities except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so only God is perfect and he has ordained and required that Mm -hmm. we submit 
to the human authorities he's put in our lives. So for me, that's my husband, our church Mm -hmm. leaders, and in some sense, even the other members of Christ's body. So I would just tell myself that there is no safer place in the heavens or on the earth or under the earth than being fully submitted to God in every single way that he requires. Mm, That is so good. So good. Such a helpful exhortation for me, too, for sure. And I, I too, I think I've experienced that. And I know the freedom that comes with walking in submission. So Mm, I love mm -hmm. that. Well, what is one thing that you're excited about or looking forward to in your own journey with Jesus? This can literally be anything. Yeah, well, this was an easy one for me. Uh, It's saying no to sin more. I'm tired of sin. I'm tired of how sin hurts people, and I'm grieved by how my sin offends God. And I just want to grow in holiness. And I'm really trusting that in 10 or 20 or 30, 50 years, that God will have continued to be faithful and transforming me and continue to lead me away from sin, and that He will have continued to lead me on paths of righteousness that His Son has laid down for me. And so, I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Now we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Abigail, as always, it's just been so encouraging getting to hear from you. I feel fired up to go and to go about my day uh, that is going to be inevitably faced by lots of whining toddlers and beautiful toddlers (laughs) too. But you know what? I'm excited to say no to sin in the midst of my frustrations and to live in light of redemption. Thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you, Hunter. I really hope you guys found this conversation with Abigail as challenging as I did. We pray it's helpful for you as you seek to live in light of redemption. Hey, if you enjoyed hearing from Abigail, I highly recommend going back in the archives to check out the conversation that I had with her on the topic of rest. You can find that along with other helpful stuff like discussion questions and recommended resources over in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com. Hey, don't forget, this is a series. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss next week's episode on what it means to live in light of redemption if you struggle with anxiety and depression. Throughout this series, you guys can connect with us over at Journey Women Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. So you know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Podshaper team. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Okay.